Good morning and welcome. Let's all stand together. Yeah. 
we had of coming back in, don't worry about that because Cody's singing a nice solo over here, okay? <laughs> hey, we are glad you're here today, and we welcome all of you. I know we've got some guests. We're certainly glad to have you. One way you can help us is by taking that bulletin. There's a tear out in the back of it. If you'll fill that in, drop it in the offering plate, that makes sure we get a record of your visit. The offering boxes are against the wall on the way out, but that makes sure we get a record of your visit. And we are glad you're here. In the early service this morning, uh, we had a couple come forward, uh, Steve and Joyce Slamka. They're in Wayne's Sunday School class. Stephen has given his life to Christ, but he's never followed in baptism by immersion. So he came today. Uh, we had nine in First Connection. So uh, God is building his church. Amen? So we thank him for it. As we pray... Uh, many of you on the prayer chain saw the prayer request for Hubert Ledford. Debbie had very serious surgery this week, got home Friday. Last night, Hubert was diagnosed with a heart attack, um, care flighted to Kettering, and they were able to do a stent, and Alicia said he looks like a different person today. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Let's go, Lord. Father, I look out over the congregation today, and, and uh, I just recognize we've got needs right here in the room, and, and you're the author, you're the healer. We pray for these that are hurting. We pray, God, for Hubert as he heals, and Debbie, I just help uh, Alicia, their only child, kind of navigate that for mom and dad. We pray for healing for them. Lord, we pray for these uh, in our church family that are recovering. We continue to pray for Israel. God, that you would just protect innocent life. Um, Lord, we pray for our nation that, that just shows these riots uh, as if Israel doesn't have a right to protect themselves. Lord, just have your way in all this. We agree today with every Bible-preaching church and pastor that's proclaiming the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I would ask today as we come together that you would just touch us where we need it most. If it's to be saved, let today be the day. If it's to be drawn back or close to you, get our attention. We ask this in your name we pray, amen. Before you turn and greet somebody, I want to just encourage you that we've got several things going on. Today is Bread Sunday at the end of the service. You have an opportunity to give to help our food pantry and also the shoe boxes. Next Monday, a week from tomorrow, will be the cutoff. So we should really begin to see those start coming back in 
as we bring those for a week from Monday deadline, okay? Turn and give somebody a good welcome. Will you do that? All the ladies starting out. I worship you, you are. 
Let's praise the Lord this morning for who he is. Amen. Let's continue to praise him. Jesus, your name is power, breath and 
this morning? Do you believe that he is worthy? Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for loving us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We recognize, Lord, that we're not here today on our own trying to whip something up, that your very presence and power is right here, right now, and we ask you to move and speak once again. In your sweet name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated, and I'll go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church up to third grade. Amanda, we appreciate your help today, and we are grateful for the opportunity. Give the kids a good hand for being in church. Amen? Amen. As you take your Bible this morning, I want you to join me in John chapter 5. We'll conclude, Lord willing, this chapter. And as you turn there, let me also say thank you to the church for an unbelievable Tuesday night of Trunk or Treat ministry. 568 hot dogs later, Renee said, how did you get that odd number? I think somebody may have eaten one or two off the grill. And 9,000 pieces of candy, 18 trunks, and uh, just a sweet spirit the gospel put in those bags. Our prayer Wednesday night was that some family would read that gospel. Some child would read the gospel and recognize that God really does love them. Amen? So thank you for making that happen. It would not have happened had it not been for your faithful giving. This morning, we continue through the gospel, and, and I want to ask you a question. Uh, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Growing up as a boy... I would say seeing my mom and dad cry broke my heart. When I would see them cry, my heart was always softened. As a parent, 
seeing your kids cry, I mean, crying over something that's real, not, not, not the whiny stuff that kids can cry about. But I'm talking about when their hearts are broken, your hearts are broken. Well, I really believe in this passage this morning that this is a heartbreaking passage and statement from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look at verses 31 through 47 down and, and we'll kind of paint a picture, okay? Because we're working our way through the Gospel of John. And we've been reminded that when you look at Jesus through ordinary human eyes, you would say, well, he was born in an ordinary way with a supernatural conception. Amen? Most likely to a young, struggling couple. Cradled in human surroundings, carried to Egypt to escape the the edict of Herod to kill Jewish boys, returning later to be raised in Nazareth, growing up in what would be considered obscurity, not knowing a whole lot about his growing up days, we can assume he most likely was being trained as a carpenter by his father, his earthly father. I mean, what was there in a place like Nazareth to declare that he was the one, the hope of mankind, the long-awaited Messiah, the King of glory. He began his earthly ministry as a meek and lowly. He submitted himself to baptism. The picture here that we have of Jesus growing up and now his earthly ministry underway wasn't announced like it was at his birth in that shepherd's field right outside of Bethlehem. But it begins with a call of humble fishermen. And he says, follow me and I'll change your life forever. How can it be? that this sinless life goes to a cross that should have had us hanging from it. Before he gets there, he's brutally beaten, takes our place, is put in a borrowed tomb, and his enemy says it's over. Finally, it's finished, he's done. Only to find out that on the third day, the tomb is empty. Anybody wanna say amen? Victorious over death. Following his resurrection, he appears to a number of witnesses. He ascends to the Father and reminds us that the Holy Spirit will come and empower. He doesn't leave us alone. And to make things even better, he says, I'm coming again. I'm coming again. This morning, I want to speak about the witness to Jesus Christ. Father, have your way in this service. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray, amen. Verse 31, Jesus said, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, 
and I know that the witness with which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the lamp burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Let me read that again. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you did not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Listen carefully. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men. Here it is. Heartbreaking statement from the Savior. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? How can it be? Look at verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. When I looked at that to begin this message, I thought, my goodness, that's confusing. But really, I believe the answer is in verse 30. Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. In the law of God, two or three witnesses were needed for truth to be established. And when you read this verse by itself, it's almost as if it can take us down maybe the wrong road. But I want you to hear something. This morning, we recognize that God the Father is a witness to his Son and to the power and to the working of King Jesus. The will of the Father was the mission of Jesus. And the good news today is, is we live in a world that has all kinds of feelings about who Jesus is and, and opinions about who Jesus is. Let me tell you something. Write this down in your outline. Here's the first thought. The Son of God needs no validation from man. The Son of God needs no validation from man. As a matter of fact, man needs confirmation from God. God doesn't need confirmation from man. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Listen, it doesn't matter who you think Jesus is. If you don't recognize him as God, you've missed the mark. Our opinion of Jesus, 
or what he did on Calvary's cross or, or what maybe, maybe some that may be watching or searching and they're, they're looking at this thing called Christianity and they're, they're thinking, well, you just read this biography, this background of this, this supernatural birth and this man named Jesus. I don't think I buy into all of that. Listen, it doesn't matter if you buy into it or not. It is truth. Why? Because the Father was witness to the truth. Jesus. Jesus. He says in verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. The witness of Christ is not independent of the Father. It's not independent. And then you get to verse 32, and, and Jesus says, there is another who bears witness of me. And on first reading, you might want to jump right in there with John the Baptist. I don't believe that's right. I believe, I believe he's talking about the Father. I believe he's talking about the Father himself. Now listen to what the Father testifies to Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And suddenly a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Pleased. The earthly ministry of Jesus takes place, begins right there. He's thrust into a desert, 40 days tempted. Reminds us of a few things. Nobody said ministry would be easy. But Jesus said, I can give you victory. I can give you victory. Uh, here's another one, John 8, 18. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Bears witness of me. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6 this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. The Father bears witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. He said, let me tell you who bears witness of me, the Father. The Father. You get to verse 33. And here we, here we are reintroduced to John the Baptist. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness of the truth. All right? Flip back to chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let's be reminded of a few things. If you're with me, say amen. Verse 15. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Remember, John is revealing who the Son of God is. He's writing about the deity of Christ. And over and over again, so far in five chapters, we've seen him repeat this message. And he says, the Father bears witness of the Son. Look at uh, verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, I am not the Christ. Look at verse 27. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. Look at verse 32. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon 
him. John the Baptist was a witness to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He confessed he wasn't the Christ, and he testified to the one who was coming who was now in the midst of them. I thank the Lord for that. Look at verse 34. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. Amen? Are you with me? Listen to me. The Son of God does not need validation from man. God doesn't have to have your approval for who he rightly is. As a matter of fact, he should have our gratitude. This morning, as you woke up, I'm breathing. I'm alive. You know, you know once I fell, fell off a ladder when I was working on a tree, bad move. But when I hit the ground, for a moment, I did that, Renee, when you weren't there. I laid there on a moment and started to feel myself. I'm not, I'm not dead. I, I don't think anything's broken. I'm alive. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you thanked the Lord that, that we're still breathing? And we're still able somehow to get out of the house and get in a vehicle that started and drive to a church and, and by the grace of God, it's, the walls are still standing. Even though this morning I didn't think they were, I walked into the church this morning, went into the bathroom, thought I heard water. What, what in the world? Turned around and looked up and it was dripping through the, the uh, ceiling tile in the men's bathroom, meaning that there's water above us somewhere. Are you with me? What do I do? Lord, they didn't train for this in seminary. What do we got? What we got going? The choir will be here in a minute. We got to make sure all the mics come on, everything, all the power. We got water dripping from the ceiling. Well, we found it. Water, bad water heater upstairs is going to be fixed this week. Here's the grace of God in the midst of all that. You ready? It was dripping right into the sink. No, let's just praise the Lord for that. I, I mean, I was praising the Lord. Folks, we might have had a little flood in here this morning. The one who is here does not need validated by me. What you think about Jesus, listen, he's not up for vote this Tuesday. He is God of God's King of Kings in the flesh, the Lord of glory, and John is reminding us that it doesn't matter what people think, he's still on the throne. And I'm telling you, people are getting killed this morning in the name of religion. And if you claim to be a born-again Christian, listen, I don't think in the, in, the, in the remaining years of my life, I do not think it's going to get easier. We're living in an anti-post-Christian culture. And some are looking at Christ and Christianity as some threat to the nation when really the answer is Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, we sit in here and we say amen. But folks, let me tell you something. If we're really serious about it, then we've got to be willing to take the message outside the church walls. What do you mean? Number two, John the Baptist was a light that burned inwardly and shined outwardly. That was John the Baptist. He had it on the inside, and he couldn't contain it. He was called to, to share that there is one coming. And all I can tell you about the one coming is that I'm not worthy to unlatch his sandals. 
God used John the Baptist. But I want you to listen carefully to this statement. God does not need us. We need him. He doesn't need us. He, 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 allow, he chooses to use us. I mean, you might be here this morning and you might think you're the, the one indispensable person in this church. I mean, if you leave or when you pass, we're done. Got news for you. He will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? Amen? There'll be somebody else preach. There'll be somebody else sing. There'll be somebody else teach your Sunday school class. Let me tell you something, folks. We need him. And we ought to praise him for everything he's done and everything he continues to do. John the Baptist's ministry was to arouse man's attention and help them understand that there's a void that only the coming one can meet, Jesus. And he's coming, and John the Baptist saying, he's now here. He's now here. He was a shining lamp that burned inwardly and shined outwardly. Matthew 5, 16, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Boy, there's a motive check right there for us, isn't it? I mean, is your lamp for Christ lit this morning? Is it healthy? Is it vibrant? Is it flickering? Is it dimming? The Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, and do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. That's who John the Baptist was. And the Bible says not only is the father a witness to Jesus, John the Baptist was a faithful witness to Jesus as he walked right here on earth. He was burning, the lamp was shining, and the Bible says in verse 35 here, chapter 5, he was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in that light, in that light. You were willing for a time. Now the promised one is here. Follow him. Trust in him. You know, as we read down a little bit, the Bible says in verse 38, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. 41, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Number three this morning is a heartbreaker. Because I believe what we really get the picture of in John 5 are those who are saved and those who are fooling themselves. Number three, the difference in genuine faith and false faith. Listen to me carefully. It's not how you begin, it's how you finish. So, oh, wait a minute, Brother Greg, that sounds like you're talking about some workspace salvation. 
Oh, no, we know we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works. We know that. But I'm telling you, there have been many people walk down an aisle and mutter a prayer, and their life has never been changed. How do you know that? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The Bible says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, inwardly the ravenous wolves. He says, Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, in 17, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that bears that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, folks, I want to tell you, if there was ever a verse to scare me in my Christian faith, it's making sure whether or not I'm really in the Lord. You say, what do you mean, Brother Greg? Because there's a lot of good answers here to Jesus. I mean, didn't we lead? Didn't we lead worship? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we teach? Didn't we do all these things? And Jesus says something uh, that I want you to get. He says in verse 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, I want to ask you a question. Have you messed up since you got saved? We'll just go on record that we believe that every Christian in this room has messed up since we've given our life to Jesus Christ. If you agree with that, say amen. We all would. We could even probably narrow it down. Have you messed up this week? Oh, getting a little closer to home. Have you messed up since yesterday? Folks, I want to tell you, only by the grace of God are we here, and only by the grace of God are we saved. But listen to what this passage says. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I believe there's a big difference in tripping and messing up and practicing sin. Listen to me. We're all going to mess up from time to time. We're in this flesh. We're in this tent. We're captive to the old nature. There's a battle raging until we shed this. Amen? You who practice lawlessness, those of you who look for it, those of you who step into it knowing what you're doing, those of you where, where sin has become habitual, I never knew you. Could it be, go back to John chapter 5, could it be that when Jesus says this in chapter 5, verse 42, I know you, but I know you that you don't have the love of God in you. Could it be that a lot of times what's going on in our life is a direct result of the fact that we've really never been born again?
You say, Brother Greg, don't hit me with that. Don't you try to guilt me into something. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Jesus was talking to those that were right there with him. And he was making sure their motive was right. He says, I know your heart. And the love of God is not in you. You see, it's one thing to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. To walk down an aisle, to stand in front of people, and, and, and maybe even be baptized. Brother Greg, what do you think about a person who says they're just walking away from their faith? They just quit. I'm going to tell you, they never knew Christ as their Lord and Savior sincerely to begin with. Because when Jesus changes your life, you don't walk away from him, you follow him. You don't quit on him. The Bible says he doesn't quit on you. Not one of his promises is watered down or lessened. He will walk with you to the valley of the shadow of death. He'll walk with us until we take our last breath and welcome us home when we do. The Bible says in Psalm 100, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. Somebody say amen. 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Matthew 24, 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. You say, Brother Greg, that sure sounds like you're talking about works-based salvation. Folks, I'm telling you, we're saved by grace through faith, and that's the only way. But good works should follow the life of a believer. Look at chapter 6, verse 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Jesus will keep his promise. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Back in chapter 5, verse 42, But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I believe that's one of the saddest statements in the New Testament. What's wrong? Hey, what's wrong with Greg? What's wrong with him? Why would he treat people like that? Why would he say something like that? Could it be that he doesn't have the love of God in him? In him. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Most would agree that this is toward the end of Paul's life. Paul's given instruction to Timothy. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, but not to me only, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. His appearing. The difference between genuine faith and a false faith is not necessarily how you start. Now, we know there's only one way to come to Christ, by way of the cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone has to come that way. But just uttering a few words and thinking that it's just a magical prayer and, and my life has not changed and I go out and do whatever I want, live however I want to live, folks, I'm telling you, that's not Bible salvation. 
Why? Number four. Christianity will cost you. It's going to cost you something. Even though Jesus paid it all, it's going to cost you something. The gospel says, Jesus told his disciples, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, uh, the Bible, Jesus, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, the rich young ruler, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, if you only knew the struggle that's going on in my life as a Christian, folks, listen to me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, there's not one struggle we've ever faced by ourselves. God can help you through that. He can walk with you. He will walk with you. He stick closer than a brother. And the good news is, is he doesn't give up when things get tough the way we do sometimes. We talk about uh, persecution in America because somebody doesn't agree with something the church is doing or said. Let me tell you what persecution is. Hiding this morning to worship or be killed if you're found. All over the world, people are doing that because of the witness of the Father in Jesus Christ. Because of of, of the preacher like John the Baptist. Because they've seen God at work in the life of another believer, recognizing that, that he's real. You see, Jesus was the miracle worker. Amen, Marcia? He was the miracle worker. His works testified to him. What do you mean? I'll give you a few. The deaf heard, the, the dumb talked, the blind saw, the lepers were healed, the storm ceased, the water became a sidewalk, and the grave is empty. Those are just a few. Why? Because even the miracles that Jesus did were a testimony to who he was. The Bible says in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I told you and you did not believe me. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. John 10, 38. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Now there, were, there was a group that always wanted Jesus to prove himself. But remember our first thing to this, this morning? What I think of Jesus, he doesn't need to validate who he is. All he asked me to do is come, surrender, and follow him. John 14, 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. John 15, 24, if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen, and they've also hated both me and the Father. Who? Jesus. Is your light shining, pointing people to Jesus? Is your life a testimony to the miracle-working power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Number five, oh man, his, his miracles were unique. Just as that passage said, he did what no one could do. Let me give you some definition or some description of his miracles. Well, first of all, the number of the miracles he did was overwhelming. The greatness of the miracles in which he performed, no one else would match. The publicity that his miracles received. Next week, we're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000. The only miracle recorded in all four Gospels the greatness of his miracle, the character of his miracle. Jesus was about life change. 
That's why he could say, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you don't have the love of God in you. His direct appeal when he would offer a miracle. It was to meet a specific need. And then here's a word I, I don't use very often, art, artlessness. What's that mean? There was nothing prearranged about what Jesus would do. Oh, he knew in, in his foreknowledge what he would do and the sovereignty of, God, of God's mind and heart, but I'm talking about there was nothing staged. What do you mean, Brother Greg? There was nothing staged that would take place in a 30-minute television show. Are you with me? He's the real deal. You say, Brother Greg, do you believe in miracles? I certainly believe in miracles. But I also believe there's a real devil that can counterfeit and, and, and run around uh, ministries and make it look real or make people think. I'm telling you, a lot of people start, but few finish. Listen to me, Sunday school teacher. We've got teachers in our church, been teaching for many, many years. And we've got folks who are given a responsibility and they do it for a couple weeks and it just doesn't work out, so they quit. Who said it was going to be easy? The question is, is it worth it? The question is, is it worth it? We're just like our vehicles, folks. We're wearing out. And when we go to the hospital or the doctor's office, every now and then we got to get a tune-up and get fixed and get back on the road. Why? We're going to take it as long as it'll go. But one day, we, we're going to run out of time. It's appointed unto man wants to die. We all have an appointment. It's on the Franklin planner of God's, God's mind. Sadly, this might be the only time this group's ever together. This might be it. Why? Because we don't know. So let's spend whatever time we have left. Let's use it for the glory of God, recognizing that he's in the miracle-working business and everything testifies to his greatness and power. And also, his miracles were instantaneous. He just said the word several times, and it happened. In verses 40 through 47, you don't see a lack of evidence. Keep in mind, you can't argue with a changed life. The father testifies to the son God sent John the Baptist to be the forerunner to say he's coming, and now he's saying he's here. It's not about lack of evidence. It comes down to the lack of genuine faith. Verse 42, I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. He knows us. He knows us. Maybe your life has never really been changed. What would be some warning signs? So if we're a vehicle, right, if we're a vehicle, and I've got a vehicle or two with a warning light on right now, anybody will say amen? I did what Garnet Rust told me to do once. I got a piece of black electrical tape and just covered it. Hey, the car didn't run better, but I felt better about run, driving. You know, every now and then, I was reminded at night in the glow that it was still on. What's a warning sign? Everything is superficial. Everything is works-based, listen to me, 
to be seen by everybody else. What is seen on the outside is more important than what's really on the inside. So if I can fool the church, you, if I can fool you, then I must be okay. No, listen to me. That's not superficial. That's artificial. That's artificial. We, we bought an artificial Christmas tree again last year after several years of real trees. It's got its pros and cons. But I'm telling you, when it comes to your relationship with Christ, and it's artificial, there are no pros there. You're in trouble. I, I, I believe everybody in ministry wants to be liked by everybody in the church. When I was younger as your pastor, you all knew that. You, saw, you, you helped me through all that. And somebody would clip me on a Sunday, and I, I'm telling you, Renee knows I would go home with a head dropped, thinking the end of the world had come. Leadership isn't for the, the, the faint-hearted here. You ask Kasia, Marcia, Cody, Sunday school teacher, anybody leading anything. When your desire is to be artificial in front of people, ministry gets very, very hard. Not enjoyable. But boy, when you began to say, Lord, what can you do today with this group of folks you've given us to lead? Man, live, we get to come together to worship. Time change, extra hour sleep. Here we are today in a beautiful setting. God, you've been so faithful. And, and, and it's our blessing to wake up and, and be reminded that you've called us to be a light shining in the darkness and my heart's still beating. So God, I'm alive. Use us for your glory. That's what we're talking about. You see, a warning sign is when everything is superficial, it's really artificial. And when it's artificial, there's nothing you do that will be sacrificial because it's going to be all about you. It's going to be all about you. All take, no give. Paul wrote to the Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be changed. That you may prove what is good and they accept that perfect will of God. I love the fact that the Bible says creation gives uh, testimony to the the glory of God, but I'm telling you folks, listen, it doesn't matter what you and I think, God the Father says, I'm well pleased. Our job is to receive, our job is to bow, our job is to live for the king. You know, someone told me this uh, recently, they thought they were very clever. There's a preacher, he said, uh, I think he was Church of God, Cody. He said, preacher, you know what I'd be if I wasn't a church of God? I said, no, what would you be? He said, I'd be sorry. I thought of that. I thought, well, you wise guy. What would we be if it were not for Jesus? 
hopeless. Hopeless. And if you fall into John 5.42, you're lost. If the love of God is not in you, then that is a direct result of Christ not being in you. Are you saved? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I thank you for convicting power. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I would ask this morning, God, that... uh, that this would be nothing but a sincere invitation and a sincere response. No, no more playing games, no more fooling anybody, just us and you. Your word says you know us, and your word said there in John that you knew that the power of God, the Son of God, was not in you. What about us? about us if you're here today and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ has saved you I'm not asking you if you're perfect I'm reminding you that he is our righteousness is in Christ and Christ alone But if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved I want you to thank God in your heart right now saving you. Thank him for saving you. And if you're here today and your heart is heavy with doubt, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to receive what only God can give. In the quietness of your heart, call on him. Dear God, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. Would you forgive me of my sin? And I believe you died on the cross and was buried and rose from the grave. I receive you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior, my only hope. I receive your payment for my sin on the cross as my payment. And ask you to come into my heart and save me. By faith, I place it all in you right here, right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I'll tell you why I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you not to worry about somebody else. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God bless your heart. We're asking you to come today. We're asking you to come. Maybe you've given your life to Christ. You've never followed in baptism. Come on. Let's plan that. Don't you worry about somebody else. You be a leader for Christ. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Let's sing. Softly and tenderly, Jesus
sing the first verse just with no music, okay? Sing it out. Softly and tenderly, Jesus. Lift your voice. Sing it out. Go ahead and be seated, if you will. What a, what a blessing uh, this is. Cody, you, you, Tim, bring that microphone. Oh, you got one? Okay. Well, a few weeks ago, uh, Nora was, uh, we had a long road trip. We took a vacation to Indiana, and she was asking us lots of questions about um, going to heaven, and, and uh, it was very clear that she already loved Jesus, and so uh, believed, so we began to make sure that she knew what she was believing because she's six years old. That's quite young, but the Bible does speak a lot about how the kingdom of heaven is like children. Jesus says, if you cause one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it'd be better if you were drowned in the sea. So it's not hard for a kid to believe what's true. And it was very clear that she knew she was a sinner and uh, had, had sinned and wanted to make sure that she was going to be in heaven, so she confessed Jesus right there in the car. We met with Greg the next week, and he went through the same thing since she's so young, verifying that she knew what sin was, what the consequences are, and how Jesus is the uh, the one who died for our sins, and she believes all of that, and so she wants to, to let everybody know. Do you want to get baptized to let everybody know you're saved? Yeah. So she's super shy right now, but so... She's not this shy in, uh, in most circumstances, but you know, it takes a lot for a kid to come up here, so that's why I'm with her. Um, but next week, Lord willing, we'll, we'll baptize Nora in the, in the service. Yeah. Next week, we're going to recognize our veterans, as well as we're going to re- uh, serve the Lord's Supper in both services. So it'll be a great day of worship. I'm going to ask Joetta to come. Uh, Regina, they've got a couple quick announcements for you, and then Cody will wrap us up. Uh, rehearsals tonight, make sure you know where to go when. Okay. 
All right. Um, let's let um, Joetta start it off. Regina, you'll bat second. Okay. And uh, we're grateful for both of you. That's right. Uh, once again, it's getting closer to Thanksgiving than we can even imagine. Uh, kind of like the loaves and the fishes, God does it every year through all of you. And I'm reminding you that the sign-up board is out front. Uh, please pay attention to the signs. Remember, when you're bringing food, bring it in disposable aluminum pans and make sure it's nice and warm. I will open the kitchen at 9. You can bring the food between 9 and 11. And uh, if you're going to help cut pies and things like that, you'll notice on the sign-up book, uh, 9.45 to 10, pie cutters are needed. We're going to serve from 11 to 1.30. Cleanup will be till done. And uh, if you want to dine in, pick up food or come and join us in the fellowship hall to eat. All are welcome, but you please, please call Judy at the church so she can put your name down. Uh, it's kind of like the loaves and the fishes. It, we always seem to do it and have a few leftovers, but your help is really needed. And this is your opportunity to let surrounding area people and the people in Camden and from farther off than you can imagine know that God is in this church and he does great things and you all are, are his helpers. So please sign up, the board's out there. Thank you very much. Joetta, you do a great job with Thank this. You. Thank you. Well, I'm Regina Bridge, and I love to quilt. And in the past year, I've, I used to belong to a guild, and after COVID came, it went away. My group, they no longer met, and I really, really miss it. Well, I got with Kay Fultz. She's a long armor, but she also quilts. And we decided that if possible, if the church has said we can do this, on Tuesday, November 14th, we are going to have what we call a quilter fellowship. Now, this is for anyone who wants to quilt, has been in an old quilt guild and doesn't have anywhere to go. We're going to meet from 10 to 12. The first meeting we're going to go over to see what kind of things people would like to do. We want to ask them, are you interested in demonstrations? Do you want a block of the month? Do you want to learn how to do this? Or we're kind of leaving it out there. So if you, and we're not going to meet in December because December is way too busy for everyone. So if you would like to come, it is November 14th from 10 to 12 in the fellowship hall. And I really appreciate it. If anybody's interested, Kay or I, either one can talk to you. Hey, uh, Cody's going to close us, and he's got a little uh, something you can help. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Okay? If you're here and you're a guest, I'd love to meet you in the, in the lobby before you leave. God bless you. 
at the offset, I know we've got a lot going on. I thank you all for your support for our ministries here. Uh, this next one is actually for Hope for Kids. That's our kids' night, similar to Regina, but that's why I'm thanking you, because I'm about to ask for your help as well. On the 15th, uh, we actually have, and Joetta, sorry. On the 15th, we actually have a Thanksgiving meal we're gonna give to our, our little kids' youth, uh, so five-year-olds through fifth grade, and their families. So we're gonna give them a Thanksgiving meal on the 15th. And we just need a donation of desserts, pies. We're gonna supply the meal items. If you would bring a dessert or could help us with a dessert, that would be so helpful. And again, I know I'm asking, we're asking for a lot of help with the Thanksgiving time, but there's really not a better way we can uh, give back than to serve and point people to Jesus through these opportunities. So uh, that list is next to Joetta's on the welcome booth, as well as the men's camp out retreat Sign up. Sign up for that, too. I think that's officially everything, unless you wanted to remind them of choir. You already did? I already did. I spaced out. I was spacing out, apparently. I'm so sorry. Hey. <laughs> Glad we did that. Glad we got it all. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to be with us. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this wonderful day and this service that we've had. Lord, we pray that we would just be drawn closer to you and the message of the gospel every single day of our lives. When we wake up, as Brother Greg said, being thankful that you've put air in our lungs, you put a beat in our heart, a spring to our step. May we use all those three things to tell others about you. Lord, be with our church, be with the ministries of this church as we are looking at the month ahead and ways we can outreach. I pray that you'd bless those things. Lord, I pray for the youth tonight that have a great fall retreat or out, you know, cookout type of thing, that they get a lot of people to show up and have a good time, but also learn uh, about you and, and worship there. Lord, I pray for our choir and our kids play, that you'd bless that in a mighty way as well. Lord, thank you for being good and loving us. We ask that we take you in our hearts as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.